Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Today, yesterday, and for another 48 more days, we are counting you down who, I believe, are the most relevant players for you to consider across your Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy sides for 2023. Thanks so much for listening to episode one yesterday. Aaron Hall kicked off the 50 most relevant today. You've already seen it on the album artwork tile or in the description of this episode. We're talking about Angus Gus. Brayshaw. Joining me on this episode, he has over the past number of years been a regular part of the coaches panel. He will be again in 2023. Hello, Jordox. Happy New Year, my friend. And to you, MJ. Great to be here and happy holidays to the listeners. Let's get into it. Yeah, Angus Brayshaw is a very interesting player. For some, they've looked at him and they've gone, oh, there is some genuine value here. There's some a nice little bit of fat on the bone that I can get a hold of, while others have seen this name pop up in their news feed and gone, why are the guys talking about Gus? Well, let's get into him. He's just the 26 years of age. Last year, he was eligible for us as a defender mid. This year, he's just a pure defender. In 2022, his top AFL fantasy and super coach scores came against the Essendon Football Club, 156 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, and a 176 against the Bombers. That, by the way, is a career-high Supercoach score for him. He's coming off the back of an average of 100 in Supercoach and a 99.1 in AFL Fantasy. Uh, By the way, a career-high score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, I should let you know, is a 166. He's priced at just over 550k in Supercoach, just under 880,000 in AFL Fantasy, and he's just 500 bucks shy of hitting the $900,000 club in DT. And Jordox, Gus Brayshaw's no stranger to us having fantasy relevant conversations. You, you got to go back a few years to do it, but for a period of time. Angus Brayshaw was one of the most valuable and relevant players in the fantasy footy community. He was MJ, and it was a it was a rapid rise and a rapid fall. I, I mean, the name Gus Brayshaw would have a, a sour taste in some some mouths after what happened. So 2018 was when he exploded into the fantasy relevance, and then 2019 he started pretty well, trailed That's off, right. and has been in the fantasy wilderness for the last two years. So. I get that there would be some trepidation about jumping into a guy like this, but obviously we'll go through some of the many pros and some of the cons as well. Yeah, look, he had a 33 points per game jump across AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and Supercoach last year. Like a, a phenomenal jump. And one of the real catalyst moments of that leaping that moved along for us was the fact that he took over that role from Christian Salem not just early in the year, in the first game of the year when Salem goes down and gets injured. As a result, he gets relocated off that 
wing role where he won his premiership as a demon he moves into becoming that primary playmaker for the demons off halfback uh, last year he ranked 11th across the league for uncontested possessions 13th for marks 20th for intercepts per game and all of these look that's just a testament when, when you get like that it's a testament to your ability to find space uh, and work well within that demon's back six. From a fantasy perspective, if you drill into his details, 11 tons, five over 120, including that seasonal high of 156. And he had an additional couple of scores between 90 and 99. He had just the one score below 70 all season. And that average of 99 sees him currently ranked as the fourth most expensive defender behind Sam Doherty, Jack Sinclair and Jordan Dawson. You look at his super coach year. In super coach, he scored 12 tons, five of them over 120. And it featured his career high score of 176 against the Bombers. That match consisted of, just so you know, 34 possessions, an incredible 20 marks. Over the 22 games, though, he had four additional scores between 90 and 99. And he had only five sub-80 scores all year. Of all defenders eligible to assist here, he's currently ranked in Supercoach 6th for total points and for averages. So, Jordox, you start looking at those numbers, you start looking at that ability of 90-plus scores, 120-plus scores. This is why coaches are genuinely considering him walking into 2023. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you talked about that change at the start of the year when Salem uh, went down at the very start of the season. It didn't take long for, for us all to stand up and take notice of this new position he was in. As you said, that third game against Essendon when he took 20 marks, I mean, <laughs> an extraordinary amount of marks. And, and I, I imagine a lot of them were uncontested, but, you know, depending on the, the game you play, it, it may not matter. Uh, and then later in the year, he has another position change, um, which was even more interesting, um, which saw him go from half back into the midfield, a role that we saw him explode in 2018. Yeah, well, you look at those details that you're alluding to there. He, he moves into that centre bounce midfield, four scores of 108, 100, 123, and 94 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Well, super coach, he goes 123, 113, 113, and 83. So that's an average of 106 in Dream Team and Fantasy and 108 in super coach. But I think he's an interesting guy. It's why some are going, hang on, MJ. Like, I'm hearing tons after tons after tons and 90s and 90s. And MJ, why is he so low in the 50 most relevant? Now, remember, sure, it's low and it's subjective, but still inside the top 50 of the entirety of the AFL. But, but what is it about him that makes it so interesting? I, I think for me, really outside of that 2018 year, this was the only other season where he's averaged over 90. Um, and, and so while 2022 is not an isolated event, you put that in 2018 and they do really stand out like exceptions to the rule. Now, again, history is never the reason not to select someone. There's always a the future casting always means you can look ahead. Otherwise, you'd never get a breakout right. You'd never get a premium on the jump. So you can't just use history as your guide. Um, but really, the people that are banking on Gus Brayshaw in their starting squad, I, I suppose, Jordox, for the most part, is they saw that center bounce role move through the last month of the year 
they saw it hold through finals. And that's probably the primary driver of going, huh, my basement's a 90 average, my upside's an early hundreds. I'm taking it. That that really is the narrative behind why people are bit jumping on it. It is. And, you know, even if he hadn't moved into that uh, CBA rotation that he did so late in the year, you know, his numbers as a defender playing off halfback in that role were good enough to select him anyway as a defender. I mean, that's the key part. He's not a that's midfielder in, in fantasy. He's a defender. The fact that he's going to be playing midfield, as we suspect, um, is a bonus. But, you know, when I think about Brayshaw and my concerns about, well, what if he starts in the midfield, but then he gets shipped back to the back line, say if Salem yeah. gets again, you know, that could happen. But that doesn't worry me. I mean, his biggest scores of the year were in that role. So um, I guess that the concern there is that dreaded wing role um, yeah. and the fact that he is such a utility that he can be used to plug another hole. The, the other thing I will say, though, on why I'm excited about him and, and keen to have a look at starting him in, in various formats is the, the way he builds his score. So the score yeah, build, good. I know it's something we talk about a lot in the coaches panel, but I really like to see a guy who can take 20 marks in a game, which is obviously, you know, an outlier. Sure. But then there's another game in, in Dream Team and Fantasy where he didn't take any marks when he was playing midfield and he still mm. snuck his way to a to hundred. So he tackles, he takes marks, he can get a lot of the footy. He's just a magnet. And I love a player with a good range of ways to build your score. The only thing that wasn't great for him in 2022 was he only kicked two goals. But playing off half back, you can probably forgive him. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let him kind of have that. I, I think the key thing for me, when I'm considering Brayshaw as a starting squad option this early in January, I think for me it's all about, well, what is the role that he hold for 2023 and how secure is he in that role? Simon Goodwin said at numerous times, quote, Angus has been clear that he'll do whatever he needs to do for the benefit of the Melbourne Football Club, end quote. So last year, you talked about those three role changes just a few minutes ago, Jordox. We saw between around 1 to 11, he plays that distribution role that Salem really does. Rounds 11, and he did okay in that average, by the way. He averaged a 95.6 in AFL Fantasy and a 92.8 in Supercoach. Upon Salem's return, between around 12 and 19, they find a way, Melbourne, to help them to coexist together in the back line. Brayshaw pushes up on the wing a little bit, but predominantly is still playing off the half back. In those games, he averages uh, 100 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 106.5 in Supercoach before finally that centre bounce pop that you talked about. And in those final four games of the year is the 106 point, uh, the 106 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and the 108 in Supercoach over the last few games. Um, I think for me, there's one clear reason why I believe Brayshaw moved into the midfield. If you watched Melbourne play last year, it was the season of, oh, when this all gets going, they're going to get scary good. They won those first, I think it was 10 games of the year. And they're going, man, they're not even playing well. No one's going to catch them this year when they put all the pieces together. But they never got all the pieces together. That forward function 
didn't really gel last year where Fritch and uh, where um, Tomlinson, not Tomlinson, sorry, Pickett was rolling through, um, where Ben Brown, where this beautiful synergy and, and potency, it, it never really held. And so I believe what happened is when Brayshaw moved into the midfield, statistically, the only midfielder that had significant change was Christian Petrarca. He moved much more out of a primary center of mid into a forward 50 player. And so I think Brayshaw, because of his versatility, went, you know what? We need Petrarca inside forward 50. We need more damage. We need more potency around that forward 50 arc. Gus, come up. And so I believe that is the case of why he's there. Now, that might hold for the whole season. That's good news for Petrarca owners too, the potential of picking up forward status. But I don't think anyone can have confidence in in, in summary. I don't think anyone can have confidence in Brayshaw's position for 2023. And so if you're picking him to be the CBA mid, good luck. He had three role changes last year and there's no reason he couldn't have another with going back to that non-fantasy friendly wing. So I don't think there's much downside uh, about him. I think he's around the mark of a 90s mid. But the upside is I think you do need him to hold that center bounce role to really make the starting squad worth it. He won't burn you, I don't think so. But I also don't think he'll aid you too much. If you're paying for a guy at 100 in your back line and he goes 90, 95. Yeah. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Um, we've also lost some pretty big names. That yeah, it's a good shout, um, actually. It, it, you know, it's some very, very familiar ones. Crisp, Short, Whitfield. Mm. Now, some of them may gain defensive status again as the year rolls on, but just looking at the, the available defenders right now, um, you know, if you're not willing to spend <laughs> all that money on a, on a Doherty, you know, Brachel's right there as yeah. another option that's a little bit cheaper. So... Um, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder how much we'd be talking about him if we did have those guys still there, Chris Short, Whitfield, the like. But I think um, for me, also actually, the, it's worth mentioning the Lockie Hunter trade. I mean, yeah, it's good. You no, know, we good are all very, we're all very much crystal balling at the minute. But as someone who can take that role in the wing, that would maybe make you feel a bit better about you know Brayshaw not being back in that role again. That's true. Be that they've acquired Lockie Hunter, who's pretty handy. But that that quote you said earlier um, about what Brayshaw had said, he will do what's best for the team, and that's you know that's such a um, it's such a great thing. He's clearly got no ego about him. He'll just mm. play wherever. Mm. As fancy owners, we we want a bit more transparency, <laughs> a bit more ego. But yeah, that, that'll be a bit to watch. But I, I, I can't see I can't see in any position he lands him being you know a huge flop in fantasy uh, it's just whether there's enough upside like you said I think so look we know that midfield dynamic will change with Jackson out and Grundy in let alone the other pieces of the puzzle around it through there so I think we we talked about those splits of what he did without Salem with Salem and then when he was a center bounce midfielder I think if you're if you're bullish on on an Angus Brayshaw that that should give you some confidence to think nah he, he's going to be okay and he won't really burn me equally you can hear these conversational pieces and go 
you know, I, I might fade and I reckon I could take him on. I don't I don't think he's going to burn or hurt me too hard of, of all these defenders to pay for a hundred guy that's not got the capacity to be a 110 guy. Oh, I reckon I might try to take that on. So, so I think that's the beauty about Brayshaw is you can look at him from equal perspectives and feel very, very valid in where you'd like to land with him and the decisions. He won't be one of those super hyped up picks, I don't think, in 2023. I think others will be really bullish to go up to the top of the tree to Docky. Uh, Sinclair, they might look for a little bit more value in that 90s or, or high 90s price points outside of him, but he's relevant, no doubt. Uh, anytime you can pick up 20 marks and score 150 up across the formats and you can average yeah. 100 and play three different roles. Okay, we got to talk about you um, in the fantasy footy discussion. So starting, upgrading, I think he's absolutely in the mix. Uh, and I don't think I'd be talking anyone out of either a fade or, or a start across the formats. Draft day is interesting though. To me, Jordox, he's clearly going to be a D1 just based purely on where people will select him. He may not end up as one. Um, it's an interesting one. It's so early in January. Um, no one's really able to draft at the moment. Mm. But it does seem the popular early narrative is premium mids early, lock away one of those big forward boys early. And probably with the exception of Doherty, Stewart, Sinclair, Dawson, mm. Sicily and Supercoach. Um, you, like it, maybe Brayshaw's in around that. Uh, maybe fourth round, very late mm. third, depending on if there's a, a defensive run. Where, where do you think he goes on, on draft day? I think later than he should if that makes sense to say that right now. But just everything you just said about, you know, the midfield into the forwards. I mean, the forwards, uh, you know, we saw it last year. Last year, we, uh, as in 2022, when we had all those forwards like Trelaw and Taranto and Duncan, the, the forwards were chockers. So yeah, people are going to forget about the defenders and then throw in the fact that there's not a huge amount of Oh, I've got to grab him defenders at the moment. I'm I'm pretty bullish on grabbing it, a Brayshaw. Yeah, for get a top line defender early what, and then what just stocking yeah. stuff right at the back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think he'll go he'll outperform where he goes. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. No, no yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Look, uh, he's gonna be an interesting guy. He was one of the value buyers of twenty twenty two, but you will not be getting much value out of him. Um you might get a touch but you're going to be paying through the roof with a draft well, position year, you had to, to get him. You had to be brave in, in the salary cap formats because I don't of know, the anyone that would have picked him. for years with it. Yeah. yeah. And then in draft, I mean, he wouldn't have been drafted. It'd be a, a, a waiver. You know, I think you're right. In, in I, I think people would have picked him up once Salem went down injured and saw the role. Then it would have been well, flood to when the waivers. When marks, he would have been gone for you after that. So, 100%. Yeah. No, it would have been a bargain. No doubt about it. Uh, so there you go. That's our thoughts on Angus Brayshaw. He is the number 49 player in our 50 most relevant. Hey, thank you for your work on this episode, Jordox. Pleasure, MJ. Good to be back. If you want to go and check out the article on Gus, it is online now for you at coachespanel.tv. You can also go check out the one from yesterday that we revealed on January 1. 
Aaron Hall. So two defenders to kick off the 50 most relevant. And in 60 seconds, I'm going to give you a clue for who's at number 48. But if you're loving these podcasts already in 2023, make sure you follow, subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review. And there's a handful of ways you can help support the coaches panel in 2023. Uh, One, follow us across all the social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We are all there. Uh, You can tell friends and family members uh, and the fantasy footy community you're a part of about the coaches panel with tagging them in articles or letting them know about this podcast series and a bunch of other stuff or you could become one of our patreon supporters where for just a couple of bucks a month not only do you get exclusive content access to a bunch of different things across the preseason and in season but also you get at our premium and our breakout tiers which are only a handful of bucks a month you get these podcasts 24 hours early. So as you're listening to this one going, oh yeah, I'm thinking about Angus Brayshaw. They're already thinking about the player at number 48. Who is he? Here's what I'll tell you. In the the fantasy community, we often talk about the third year breakout. And it's true. The third year breakout is true. But the fourth year is really important too. Because the third year, might be when you break out the fourth year as you become a genuine premium gun who am i talking about to tomorrow on the 50 most relevant. Give it all, give it up, give it-